Welcome back, you untitled group of people. Maybe in the future we'll come up with an actual name for you guys. This is episode 9 of the Calm Mind Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Toby. How's it going? Hey, everyone. It's good. It's good. It's, well, it's okay, actually. I was uh, I was just saying before the podcast, I'm, having a, I'm in a grumpy mood, which is a terrible way to start a podcast. How are you doing? I'm not necessarily grumpy, but I'm also not above average in positivity. I mean, sometimes you aren't. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times I'm just normal in terms of positivity. I'm not always happy. Sometimes it's just you're living, you're vibing. That's the that's the nice thing about these podcasts is people get to get a little bit of a look at us uh, when we're not, you know, hey, Pokemon Masters, ooh, look how happy-go-lucky we all are. Um, we're human beings. I'm not going to get into my things, but yeah. are you, how are you doing? You want to talk? Yeah, I'll definitely get into my things. Um... But also, it is interesting to see whether or not people perceive my persona, my True Green mm. 7 persona, as way more enthusiastic as what I am here. Like, this is my normal... This is the this is how I usually talk. I am not yeah. as enthusiastic as I am on, on, the, on the channel. Which is funny, because people already think I'm chill on True Green 7. And I wonder if they think I'm even more chill here. I don't know. I want. I actually want you guys to comment in, the, in, in below because I want to know what you guys, your perception of my demeanor and my personality. It's, it's interesting that you mention that. Uh, personally, by the way, I think you are you, you're pretty equivalent on both because I think the version of you on your channel is still really quite close to the organic you anyway. Yeah. Um, but I got a really interesting tweet. Someone said to me, "Toby, you like speak differently when you're on the podcast versus when you're doing a video." Interesting. And I was like, I mean, yeah, because when I'm on the podcast, I'm Toby, creator of Birdkeeper Toby. And when I'm on the channel, I'm Birdkeeper Toby. And I think they're two slightly different things. You know what I mean? So here's the thing. I've learned over the course of a few years that it's not that we are completely different in our channels. Mm. It's just that we we exaggerate things that are actually present in our personality right it's not like it's a completely different personality we just prolong let's say the peppy or the enthusiastic part that we that does come out sometimes let's say when i'm recording like like yeah normally i'll talk like this but then all of a sudden yeah that's pretty awesome i'll speak in my true green seven voice naturally because that's just how i sound when i'm enthusiastic for a few seconds but i'm not going to be like that for 10 minutes i'll be like that you know every other minute that's you describing any anime to me ever (laughs) that's the voice that's the voice you use so the same thing with you and your channel where it's like you do sound like you do on your channel in real life yeah. but only like every other 10 minutes not ev- not like that for a full 10 minutes you know Right and I the thing is, is I with the videos of course that they're, they're edited right they're edited and they're cut and yeah. there's no world where I'm going to actively put into a video like hey pokemon masters bird keeper toby here i feel rough today i'm not gonna film that day (laughs) i'm not i'm just not recording that day ever you know yeah so it's not a different us it's just the best us yes the one that we want to uh, you guys to see um but just like how i want you guys to tell me you know what you think about this i want every episode to start answering fan questions so Literally every episode that you want to ask a question, just go in the comment section, ask us questions. If it's appropriate, we'll answer them in the f- next <laughs> in the next episode. Uh, Please. And yeah, I mean, we don't have a huge audience at the moment, so it'll be relatively easy. 
Um, Although, we will say a, a quick thank you to everyone who came over from... We did the episode recently with Patters. That would have been two podcasts ago as of you listening to this. And uh, so many of you came over and just thank you for hanging out and uh, sharing the road with us. We'll be covering more Scarlet and Violet stuff sort of as it as it goes along, but also having more podcasts just like this, which is the mainstay. We don't want to just be a news podcast or anything like that. And I love the way we did it last episode where it felt like a normal episode, but in that, yeah. all the Scarlet Violet news naturally came up and it wasn't forced. Um, and we yeah. still got to talk about things that weren't Pokemon related. So I'm happy. I think this is going to be yeah. good. It was a good show. But uh, so here's the reason why I am not hundred uh, percent positive right now. What's going on, man? So, I mean, I've been going to, therapy for my social anxiety disorder for what three years now it's only yeah officially three years i think um two years of that was during the pandemic where i can't really have a lot of progress with my social anxiety because you can't really hang out with a lot of people can't start going on dates you can't go out to parties so i finally uh a month ago got uh, a dating app um and started uh scrolling uh and then two weeks ago i started talking to this girl um, it was very nice. Um, we, we were talking for like literally every day for hours and then for, for a week and a half. And also we video chatted for like two hours. Uh, we set up a date. <laughs> I asked her out. We had a whole plan. And then three days before the date, she just ghosted me. She just stopped talking to me. <laughs> Don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so that's the thing that happens apparently now <laughs> in my life. That- I, I promise you that is not unique as an experience to you or yeah. to men or to women or to people our age or whatever. It is that is a universal dating uh, experience. Crazy. It's it, crazy. and it's horrible. I, I've seen it. I, I've got a couple of single friends um, who keep me up to date with their their life, and they're just like, "Yep, I'm out there on the dating apps," and uh, like I'll be talking to someone. I think it went go, goes really well, or or people who will go on dates and say the date went fantastically and then the girl will just block them yeah. uh, actually you know i say the girl whoever will just block them because i know this happens to guys this happens to girls this happens in really? you know all types of relationships yeah um and i know people who have been like they've said they've sent a text saying hey look you haven't spoken to me in a bit i'm getting the vibe that maybe you just this is silly are we are we continuing this because you've just sort of ghosted me and they've replied going like oh no 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 i'm last date was great still really interested in meeting up just um busy right now and then not replied again for like a further month and you just sit there and you think what's wrong with people at least in that situation <laughs> they actually reply so you, you just maybe this guy this this person sucks but and just doesn't know how to manage you know communication maybe but in this current situation for me, it was more like she was literally replying every single time with like paragraphs. She was totally into our conversations uh, and she was totally into the date, the idea of going on a date. And even the la- the literal last time that we talked, she, again, she we were having a deep conversation about the, the shooting in Texas. Now, she's a teacher and perhaps that maybe depressed her too much and then she just did not have the... Yeah. Fe- the, the she wasn't feeling... Up, you know, she wasn't up for a date because she was mm. maybe that was on her mind too much. But that's def, that uh, that's just my that's the only explanation I have, and I'm just gra- grasping on, I, onto something. But first um, of all, I, I'm really sorry that it happened because it sucks. It really, really does, uh, and the world of dating can be really, really harsh. And I'm sorry. Um, the worst thing is, and I genuinely believe this. 
you've got to put your heart on your sleeve and get back out there again and risk this happening like a dozen more times. And the worst thing you can do is go like, unless you can look back through your messages and, and clearly see, Oh, you know what? Maybe I said something that was was wrong. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Perfect. The worst thing you can do then is assume, Oh, maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that people have such a diverse range of reasons as to why they ghost people. Some of them legitimate for all, you know, uh, maybe something, maybe an ex came on the scene. Maybe something big happened in her family life. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, um, perhaps, she has a social anxiety that she may or may not she have told you about. She does have social anxiety. But possibly the idea of actually it becoming real and going on a okay, date. Okay, the opposite for me. So for me, as a you person know? with social anxiety, it would be the opposite. If it really was too much, I would just say it and be like, sorry, and that's it. I, it would make, give oh. me even more social anxiety for them to now, the rest of their life or the rest of their month, think, oh, what happened to this guy who ghosted me? He must suck. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to have them to have a negative perception of me, so I would end it in a natural and amicable way you know but but some people are problem avoiders you know like some people just don't you know what ah i don't want to go on a date ah i've ghosted them now ah the best thing would just be for me to just run away and and some people are like that and you but and you could sit there and you can guess like a million reasons yeah um it's not gonna there's no joy to be found in, in guessing i think unfortunately as long as you're sure that you were like you know it was all good and you were all well then move on to the next person unfortunately and i'm just sorry man because it sucks i was prepared for this already i I mean it's technically happened before but like those were like let's say i would talk to the girl for literally like two days and then she would ghost me and then like you know there wasn't the connection so it doesn't matter or i Mm. expected it uh i even expected to be stood up on a date but this was more just like no explanation (laughs) <laughs> like she was like literally the last conversation was all positive and then that's it um but frustrating uh, and with the girl who especially with the girl who i definitely thought was very uh friendly and nice like that was that was the most positive in terms of the personality trait that she had like at least she was very very nice <laughs> um mm. so that it was just the last person i thought would do that I would I would even expect my best friend to do that. <laughs> my best friend best friend goes to me every day, <laughs> but like sure. but, but it was just weird. It was it, it, there's no explanation. And then I'm just not I'm the type of person that needs closure and a lot closure in a lot of like interactions. Yeah. But at least this is like all on them. Like this is not I didn't I know I didn't do anything wrong, and I know that it, sure. it's something I can't explain, and they they just aren't in my life to explain. So that's it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I'm sorry. It, and that that really is like it, it is just part of the the dating world. I remember having conversations with people um where I'd think, "Wow, this person's amazing and look at us, we're joking and we're getting on and it's all going well." And then they just suddenly after a couple of days or after a week or, or maybe even just a single day, like I had some yeah incredible one day conversations with people and then i'd message them the next day like so what's up and then i get nothing back and you'd think oh did i was it coming on too strong i don't know it doesn't matter this, (laughs) this kind of happens even more so with online dating where it's like you have so many options uh especially the the women have mm-hmm. like 10 times more options than the guys, at least on a dating app. Um, sure. They rationalize it as they have so many options. I can, 
I can just stop talking to this person and talk to the other person that I has piqued my interest a little bit more, at least in this given moment. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't like to generalize. Like, I, I'm sure for uh, many women that's the case, but I think for for many women that might not be the case. That there's there's very much there's the. I think when you develop a relationship, no matter what side of uh, the dating app you're on, um, when, when you're talking to someone, meeting up with someone in real life is a really big step in that. And I think before that point, there there may feel to be an unwritten rule of like, I can, I can cancel this at any point. Yeah. That's what and I'm saying. Nothing bad is going to happen. But that's know? that's the problem. Is the problem is that I don't differentiate between online and real life. That's kind of the reason why I have social anxiety. We'll talk about that if you want. Sure. But like, where I just don't see why I can't act the way I act in real life online and vice versa. Like, why can't people talk to me the way they do in real life? It's. I mean, I know the reason. I know psychologically why it happens. Why people online are way <laughs> way different than they are in real life. But for me, I am not, and I for better or worse and i kind of expect that unfortunately from other people and it just never happens um i i just can't fathom it i don't know how people can go online and just act in a completely different way something i just mentioned about having friends who've been single for a while um is that i've noticed um with a couple of them they'll mention that like oh they're online and they it's seen as red but then they, they've not replied or they'll reply like six hours later or, or or that they don't check their phone like more than once a day and i check my phone all the time and like if i've got a notification i want to get rid of it and it's been a hard thing sort of uh explaining to people you know well hey but everyone uses their phone differently everyone's relationship to their phone to social media to their notifications is so varied and different and i can't fathom anyone who doesn't use their phone the same way i use my phone true for communication but everyone's got a different way of doing it and it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than they've got a different way of dealing with it um but you mentioned you said about your your social anxiety and you've brought it up a couple times throughout the podcast and like i've not really wanted to ask maybe because i don't know how much you want to talk about but um i, I want to talk about everything about myself every second <laughs> it's not i'm not <laughs> like i again i go to therapy for sure. i've been going for therapy for a long time i'm very used to talking about myself and i like i love answering questions about myself i love talking about sharing about just anything i've learned as you know through the channel and i'm mean, sure i'm sure you love sharing whatever you've learned but yes yeah, so it's more that like my social anxiety, at least my story, is just so so big. I've learned so much about myself that I just don't know when to bring it up because, like, I don't know if, let's say, I I also don't know if people want to hear it every episode or just like I I want to certainly hear at least when did you realize? Oh, I'm a socially anxious person, and that's a thing. So there's a difference between when I realized I was socially anxious and when I developed social anxiety disorder. So any disorder, okay. as you know. It's when it actually when a, a trait actually negatively affects your everyday life. That's when it becomes a disorder. For example, everybody has anxiety, but if it literally affects you negatively every day, you have anxiety disorder. Um, everybody can be obsessive or compulsive, but if it's literally happening every day and it's literally harming your your everyday life, that's when it's OCD. So when social anxiety, I've was, I've always been socially anxious before I had a uh, social anxiety disorder. I would be able to, you know, I was in school, I would be socializing every single day. I would be, my life was pretty good, <laughs> but, but, it, but I would still be anxious about it. Uh, but I was, but I was dealing with it. I was just 
Mm. I wasn't avoiding socializing. I wasn't, uh, I mean, here and there I was, and that slowly, slowly it builds up to the, to, to the point where you notice you are avoiding everything, and that's when it becomes a disorder. But yeah, I was, you know, let's say avoiding going to this party that I was invited to, but then maybe the other party I would go to, and, or, you know, I would suck it up and talk to this girl that I like or whatever. But then after I graduated high school, once I went to college, I was all by myself technically because all my other... I went to school, again, 40 minutes away from where I live. So all my friends don't live where I live. You know, a few do. But even the ones that live where I live, everybody just left. They went to college or to a gap year. They all just left the town. So I was alone and I also commuted to college. So I was just going to Manhattan and then... Going learning and then going right back home, doing homework like say thirty hours a week, and also on top of that, fifteen to twenty hours a week working on the channel. So I was just not hanging out with people during this time where I was also alone, um, and also during this time where all my social interactions were online. That's when I started my channel, and I was just starting to hear every day what hundreds, thousands of people's opinions on of me, whether it's positive or negative. Obviously, ninety nine percent of it is positive, but that's also a bad thing. Just to have hundreds of people opinion of you instead of actually hanging out with people and hearing real life people's opinions of you that warps your mind and you slowly <laughs> develop social anxiety disorder because like i said i had a terrible time differentiating between how people act in real life and how people act to me in online so i always thought at least subconsciously that the way people respond to me online is the way people are going to start responding to me in real life. So for example, you know how in online, let's say as a YouTuber, you can't say everything that you want to. You any just anything you say people will misinterpret it or they'll uh they'll just find a negative about it or or the opposite, they'll overpraise you, they'll put you on a pedestal and they'll be like, "Wow, Ron is the best thing ever. I love him so much." Sure. And then you bring that back to real I brought it back to real life. And so I'm always hesitant. So I, before therapy, I was always hesitant to like talk to people because I'm always anticipating that they're going to act the way that people do online. Because <laughs> that's what how I was. Th- those were the kind of people I was interacting with for like four years while I was in college and nobody. I wasn't really hanging out with a lot of people. Right. And then I realized, you know, after therapy, that you know that's not how it is. People don't in real life. People don't talk. They don't act like they do in online. And that's what I meant when I said that. Yeah, that I just I don't have the best or the easiest time differentiating between how people act online and, and that's uh, hard. in real life. Yeah. That's hard. I, I think it's important to have a quite diverse array of characters that you surround yourself with in your life. Um, I remember I distinctly sitting in a pub with a friend of mine who post university, we were having a catch up and uh, he was i can't remember what his job was i think he was working in i think he was doing something in government weirdly enough um which he doesn't do anymore but he was working something in government and um you know i'm a pokemon youtuber these worlds are very far removed from one another and um what you're saying about like you're right like online people are either overly critical like to the point where they're like just cruel or they're they're overly praising you and you're like okay i mean it's just a video about pokemon on the internet whatever and um the the humbling thing was having this friend and i remember him saying to me like you know it, it was a silly like ah you know get a real job haha who cares pokemon youtube and you know at the time i remember thinking like 
Well, okay, actually, it, it is something, but it's, you know, uh, fine, I get what you're, but the, I, I got what it was about, which was, at the end of the day, what we make is con- YouTube content for people. It's content that they watch so that they might be entertained, but also possibly when they're just bored or don't have anything else better going on. And I think it's important to be humbled by that. Yeah. But then also to recognize that the overly critical things you're being, that like the overly praised things that you're being told are misplaced. But so too are the overly critical things because yeah. at the end of the day, you're not doing anything so horrendous that you're, you're literally making content about Pokemon. Like, like you're not ruining people's lives by doing so, you know? <laughs> yeah. Th- those are definitely things that I think about all, all the time. <laughs> I've, uh, I've had a lot of time to think about to come up with exactly what you just said. Um, and Patters brought it up when he was here, which is that online first impressions mean everything, whether that's a good or bad first impression. And I, so I w- subconsciously learned f- for the worse, like this is not a healthy thing to think, but this is what I subconsciously thought was that if a person loves me online, they'll, they'll really love me because <laughs> that's how it is on, you know, when you, when you get viewers and if a person hates me online, they think I have destroyed their family. Um, and so again, that translated to, to, to real life where it's like every first impression. Now I am too worried about it to the point where I avoided it and I just didn't sure. socialize because I put too much weight onto what I, onto the conversation when in real life uh people only remember what how you made them feel they don't care what you said can i i want to share something with you that you might find helpful and i had this thought at university i remember the day and i remember thinking i was watching videos about charisma a sort of charisma on command type thing where it's like hey should i should i be smiling more should i make a joke should i make notes to make a compliment about something that someone's wearing no not what someone's wearing maybe something they did or something they said and then i and i thought about this i thought about how i was overthinking the first in- encounters with people everyone and and, and I, I had this at my first year of university and i retook my first year of university i went from drama to to um, film production and in the film production what I noticed was there was that anxiety for everyone who was there. But because I had already sort of done a year, I was a little bit more relaxed and, and I was watching everyone dress, you know, in their, their the coolest clothes that they had and to, to impress people and to look the hottest or to, to um, make the quippiest jokes or whatever. And I thought everyone's trying so hard and they're all, they're all, um, so worried about themselves i'm pretty sure all i need to do is smile and be kind and every no one's looking at me like if they're looking at they're so worried about themselves and thinking about how did i come off in the way that i was last year that if i just come in here i smile i make a joke like we're fine we're good i can handle those things and that that was sort of the point that i stopped worrying so much about that um, I'd be interested to know then that how have you come out of that well, or have you? I still have social know? anxiety disorder. I'm not going to pretend course. like I'm cured or anything. And I will always be socially anxious even when I'm way better. But um, that's interesting. I'm actually going to comment on what you said, which is okay. It's annoying. Naturally, after you said what you said, which is all you, all you have to do, be, all you have to be is nice and smile, right? Because of the rules of the internet, which is that people will always also think of the exception and be like, hey, what about the exception? What if I'm ugly? Obviously, that's not going to work. I can, or like, or like, they'll be like, 
though people will always whenever you bring up a solution or like a mantra they'll always be they'll always give you the exception oh like for example don't punch people or something like just be nice don't punch people but then people someone will be like yeah but what about nazis you, you got you, what about punching nazis and i'm like oh, obviously yeah. i'm not okay i'm not talking about talking nazis. about that <laughs> like they'll always bring up the extremes well call it a rule and, of thumb right that's the thing and okay so the, that's the thing is that people always think that mantras are too cliche because they don't work some like one percent of the time <laughs> like or because yeah. you've heard it too many times that means for some reason just because it's oversaturated doesn't mean that it's not a good message but that's the thing is that a reason why I have social anxiety disorder is because I took all of those online rules, which is, oh, that people also will bring up the exceptions or people will always, mm-hmm. will always think about, um, people will always try to one up you online. People will always try to find the negative of what you're saying or th- try to th- mm-hmm. prove you wrong. I just subconsciously thought that that's how people act in real life. Right. How, so whenever I'm talking to a person, I'm always preparing to say, to give the exception. I'll be like, let's say I'll just talking to them and I said, oh, it was a nice day, but then I'm going to be like, oh, okay, but what if they're going to be like, oh, but it, but it wasn't nice for someone else <laughs> or like what I have to bring up like a, right. or like, oh, but it wasn't the best day ever. I have to always be balanced or like to make it sound like, uh, that what I'm saying is general enough for everybody to accept what I'm saying. Not, not being inclusive of people who are having a bad day when you said it was a nice day. How dare you, True Green Exactly. Seven. That's how... <laughs> I didn't logically think that that's how people were going to be, but subconsciously, sure. I w- because I was... I had this learned response from interacting with people online for four years when I wasn't interacting with real people, that that bled over to real life. Um, and that, again, was just another factor as to why I have social anxiety disorder. I, I I like when my my friends pick up any um, quirks of mine uh, because because I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, okay. Because I have social anxiety disorder, I cannot recall what I was talking about because let's say there's an awkward pause. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be thinking about oh no, there's an awkward pause, and the longer this pause goes, the more I'm thinking about how awkward the pause is. And I'm not thinking about what I was trying to say. So I will never be able to recall what I wanted to say <laughs> if I lost it, for example. And this happens a lot where I try to fill in the awkward pauses by just rambling. And I'm not going to make a coherent thought because I don't want there to be an awkward pause. Because to me, my whole social anxiety is about not making the other person feel uncomfortable. To me, awkward pauses are uncomfortable. To other people, it probably isn't because they don't have social anxiety. But I, I imprint my anxieties on other people. And that's the problem. Interesting. That's fascinating. I do the same thing, but not out of anxiety, out of a need to entertain or <laughs> And I, I cannot, and it's the, it's the single area, whether it's, whether it was at uni doing theater stuff or whether it was like, uh, I did a couple of hosting and casting jobs with, with Dan. Um, leaving a silence is fine it's a normal part of conversation it's a normal part of dialogue yeah. allowing someone entertainment else to talk. And comedy it's a it's a good tool sometimes right i mean even with this podcast i, I struggle with oh, oh i'm talking i'm talking i'm talking i'm not letting ron have a chance to speak uh but I, I i gotta get this thought out and it it comes from a need to fill that space to make sure that there's no you know i need to perform 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 and that's not always healthy you having a good handle on pulling that back is actually really important I have a friend who I see like once every season or whatever, um, who this kind of 
who triggers this aspect of my social society the most because he's very comfortable with awkward pauses and he pur- not purposely does it but I've talked to other friends and they said yeah he he lets you lets you relish in what you said so for example I'll say something to him and then he'll think about it for a few seconds and won't respond and to me that's an awkward pause so for example when I'm talking to YouTube to my when I'm talking about my job to this guy I'll be like oh I'm you know I'm a YouTuber I'm doing this what I'll be like oh yeah I like I like the freedom of my job or whatever and then he'll pause for a few seconds and because I'm awkward I'll be like okay think of something to comment on what you just said quickly and then I'll bring up a negative I'll be like okay yeah but I also don't really like this aspect of my job and I'll just to fill in the awkward pauses I will bring up negatives that I don't really believe in my job and then I'm changing my to him now I it sounds like I hate my job because I'm just <laughs> rambling about, I'm just trying to think of just different aspects of my job that subconsciously I can just pull out be, I'll be like oh it sucks that people comment this or it sucks that that uh, I have to do this for my job when in reality those aren't a big aspect of my there's not things that I think about all the time but I'm just bringing them out because I need to th- talk about something and I'm now I'm just rambling about how much I hate my job when in reality I don't but to him it sounds like I do and I, and he's still not talking and he's still not responding to me so I'm like I'll just bring, he's, and then no, he's trying to digest what you're saying. Digest what I'm saying and then I'll be like and then I'll be like oh I may quit my job uh, 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 next year or oh, I'm trying to look for another job when in reality I'm not like, you're just oh, making stuff up at this point in my mind it feels like he's not he's like judging not judging me but he's like in reality he's processing what I'm saying but yeah. in my mind it's more like I think he's trying to respond to me and like give me tips on what I want to say or something like that so I don't know it was and so just for that person it seems like I, I hate my job do you know, do you know there, there's, uh, I, and I think it must be a trope in media as well. Maybe you can think of a character. I can't. I think there is a, a power to silence and uh, characters who are really listening, who are really engaging in the room. Silence, everyone wants to kind of fill the space in some way or another. People who just listen, and then when they talk, people want to hear what they have to say because it commands such authority. And there was an example... Ah, oh, I've just lost it. I was just thinking about it. Oh, that's it. It's an interrogation tactic as well. Yeah, exactly. It's literally the, like the, he's interrogating me. The best way to interrogate someone is to let them keep talking. Shut up. Stop <laughs> asking questions. Don't give them direction. Let them keep rambling themselves into a web of lies where you're talking about you want to quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is that people have told me that I'm that person in the past. Before I had social anxiety disorder, I was the one who, I mean, even now, because of my social anxiety, I don't say anything unless I know what I'm saying, unless I know what I'm talking about, unless I'm confident in what I'm about to say. And because of that, I'm just, I'm not the big talker. I'm listening and I'm enjoying the conversation, but I'm only going to respond and bring up something if I am confident in what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that's part of the social anxiety where it's like, that's kind of the reason why my channel is surrounding, is all about Pokemon, because that's the only franchise that I am confident that I'm an authority in. For example, even... Even yeah. if I would love to make an anime-centric channel, but I'm not an authority in anime, and I would feel super anxious every single video talking about, like, let's say, I don't know, Naruto facts. I mean, okay, I know a lot about Naruto. So let's say, uh, what's a new show that I haven't consumed enough of to be an authority on? Uh, okay, let's say Attack on Titan. Even though I'm a big fan of Attack on Titan, I don't know every single thing about Attack on Titan, right? So I sure. would be super anxious releasing a video about Attack on Titan because oh, what if I by mistake said the wrong thing here? While in Pokemon, no, I know that... 99% of the time I'm saying things that are correct. Uh, <laughs> at least I think they're correct. Um, and that's a problem because I just, I'm too afraid 
to because people have put me on a pedestal for all my life people was ron's the smart one one's the artist ron's and even more so on youtube ron is this awesome youtuber that i love so much i'm too afraid to just risk sounding stupid and because of that i don't talk that is such a shame because being stupid is human and it's a vulnerability that everyone connect can connect with you over True. And it's difficult because the more, obviously, the more stupid you sound. I mean, look, I take it from an <laughs> expert in being stupid on the internet. But when it comes to like, I, I can say things. Uh, I said in a video recently, I said that Ash Ketchum was a rubbish Pokemon trainer, right? Yeah. I thought of it just as a little like quip, a little, it wasn't anything, you know, I don't care about Ash, this fictional character in that, or whatever. People got angry people got fuming you know some people got really annoyed that i said that um i love ash ketchum and i just thought okay that's fine it doesn't matter i'm a human being i'm not pretending to be an expert on pokemon so much as i am i mean i think i'm i know what i'm talking about yeah so much as i am a fan of pokemon and that's what i portray and then people to the people who weren't upset by that just see it as like a little joke and connect with me on a human level because you know i said something and even if it was flawed it doesn't really matter and i think trying to be the pinnacle of perfection is online is a little bit of a uh a game that you're destined to lose there's a phrase for that i can't remember what it is um because you because we're all people and uh well, certainly to go full circle, you know, Birdkeeper Toby is not 100% authentic. Well, no, it is authentic, but it's not 100% of me, you yeah. know. Um, it, it's but one facet of, of the the complex me. It's, uh, I, I still try to put vulnerability and mistakes in there. Not that I try to put mistakes in there. I let mistakes be in there because I'm okay with portraying a, a human character, I think, is the important thing. Yeah, so, I mean, I can relate to that because I also sometimes let mistakes fly, but usually there are mistakes that are actual mistakes. So, for example, my number one trigger is people misunderstanding my intentions, misinterpreting what I was thinking or what I know, and that comes also stems from, again, that I don't like to be patronized, so I don't like when people are telling me things that I already know of. So, because of that, if, let's say, I by mistake said a fact in a video that I was wrong about but I actually knew let's say I by mistake said is it like when you say like uh, I don't know tentacle learns a move and actually it's not tentacle it's tentacruel but whatever like no so if, know if you, I misspeak no? for example by mistake I say tentacle instead of tentacruel that's that's fine that's totally okay. fine because that's like that's an actual mistake, and I'm 100% confident that a normal person will think that that's a will know that's a mistake. I'm a Poketuber. I know the difference between tentacle and tentacle. I've by mistake said whimsic. Uh, I said whimsical instead of cottony by mistake uh, two times or sure. something. I know the difference. <laughs> but if I by mistake said something like, "Oh, Septile learns this move," that I 100% knew that he mo- knew, and I was proud that I knew that move, but it was obscure. It was obscure, but I knew it, and by mistake, I came off as if I didn't. So I will get a little triggered when people try to correct me, um, even though you know nothing bad happened because of it. That's like on the minor scale. The most extreme is more like I say a thing, and now people assume that I I, I don't even like Pokemon, dude. I've pronounced Rayquaza correctly. Rayquaza, Rayquaza is how you pronounce Rayquaza. Yeah. People 
th- this happened more than once where someone would be like, wow, I, this guy isn't a real Pokemon fan. He pronounced Rayquaza incorrectly, even though they're the ones pronouncing it incorrectly. Because um, there are some, there are some Poketubers that are, in, that Poketu- Pokemon isn't their number one favorite franchise. They just are successful at talking about it online or playing it. Mm-hmm. While for me, no, I'm confident that I know about Pokemon. So when someone's now completely misinterprets my entire life and thinks that I am not even a Pokemon fan based on something I said, or that I, let's say I said something that makes a person think that I'm just a completely different person that I'm not, whether it has to do with Pokemon or not, that will make, I'll think about that for the rest of the day, maybe a week. That's, that's a big problem of mine. Well, I just worried is is that really what people think? Even it's just even if it's just one person thinking that, it'll bug me. But okay, so here's my take on that: is that like, if you say to a room of a hundred people the word kittens, yeah. someone's got a problem with it. Someone's allergic Some. to kittens. How dare you say kittens and not consider them? You are an inconsiderate, terrible person for not considering that someone might be deathly allergic to kittens, and you just triggered that and i'm not saying we shouldn't try to accommodate people but when you're online and you have an audience of like ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million people and you say whimsicott is the coolest pokemon you've just annoyed a lot of people without even really like meaning to and yeah. it, it, if it's I if cannot... i truly believe that whimsicott is an amazing po- if i for me that is my opinion uh-huh. then i'm fine if people hate it i'm fine if people hate my opinion I'm yeah. not fine when people misinterpret my opinion. And now, like, oh, that means grass type is Ron's favorite Pokemon and he hates all the other types? Which yeah, is yeah, not true. Yeah, yeah. That's my problem. But you have no control over it. Oh, yeah, of course. So yeah, here's, so here's another thing. You offering your insight on that, even though this is exactly what you should be doing as both a friend and a co-host, you should be responding to what I'm saying. It kind of triggers me because you're... Oh, I'm kinda, sorry. No, don't worry. It kind of triggers <laughs> me because to me, it's like you're patronizing me as if I don't know that that's real life i know that that's how it works I've, i'm a pokotuber i've i Is know that, that that's gonna happen and i i i know i'm an adult i know that that people have different sure, opinions sure. so it's like if it wasn't you if it was some random guy that doesn't know me i would be a little triggered on my, in the back of my mind okay like, so now watch me continue to patronize <laughs> <laughs> Good. I just, want you, I just want you to know that. Yeah. Continue patronizing me. No. I just want you to because it's on topic. But that really, that's the. That's why I have social anxiety. I'm not saying that this is a good thing. This is a very unhealthy no, thing no, to of think. Course, of and course. And that's my point. That's why I go to therapy. But that is what I think. We're, we're we're also the other element of this though. The context of this conversation is that we're having it on a podcast, which is designed to be listened to other people. See, I told you I'm going to patronize now. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> while I'm happy to. I'm not trying to patronize you. I'm it it's sort of I'm having the conversation with you but I'm also having the conversation so that people can hear it so that other people who maybe haven't thought that will now think about that advice and True. you know so but you already know that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're caught in a loop now. <laughs> and that's why a podcast is a little better where it's like okay I can just be like no he's talking to the audience right now even yeah. you know he knows that I know this thing that he's talking about. I know that you know that. It's uh, it's yeah. Perhaps if we generate a Pokemon, you'll be able to talk about whatever. Oh, <laughs> smooth. Whatever Can I just crazy say, thing is wrong with your mind. I no. I tell you what. I've become less grumpy throughout this conversation. We've. I. Good. I started with the grumpies, and now I am less the grumpies because we've had a nice conversation, and it's just been nice to hear. Even though I were talking about stuff that I know affects you quite badly, 
I'm just, I just think, oh, mate, I just, I love you so much. I think you're great. I love think you you're too. great. <laughs> but this is like, this is why I do like bringing up things that are very personal to me because then I get to be a little riled up and that's fun. I like being passionate yes, about true. what I'm saying. I like, I like telling my friend that I, that he's patronizing me. I actually do like that. I like being honest. I'm a, um, obviously, see, here's the stupid thing. It's like, I hate that I have to say, obviously I know that you can't just be a dick and just be mean to your friends and be completely honest. You have to be nice. You have to censor yourself a bit. That's not what I'm saying. I know how to do that. Stop patronizing me. (laughs) It's more that I hate lying. So it's like, I'm very, I think I'm bad at it. I think I, it'll make Mm -hmm. me socially anxious if I lie. So I just like when I'm able to say what I want to say. Um, obviously I will tone it down because I know how to be a human <laughs> and I think everybody should be toning down their opinions just because something is true doesn't mean that you should say it the way and you should always be considering people's uh, how people are going to feel about what you say not just what they're going to think about it um, and that's why even if you're saying something that is true sometimes it's more about what cause it, sometimes people are not going to be receptive to what you're saying unless you say yeah. it in a nice way and that's what you, that's what you care about that people are going to be receptive to it not that they're going to know about what you're saying you're saying that's the most important that's- you know I, I, I know we're going to generate a Pokemon in a second but it's so funny to me how similar we are but like just for different reasons like I get the whole like I'm a terrible liar I hate lying I, it doesn't work for me it doesn't but but then it but to the point where when I was a teenager I remember dating and uh, I'd buy like a secret birthday present and I'd feel like I'm lying about the fact <laughs> that I haven't, that I've bought someone a present and they don't know mm. what it is and I'm keeping a secret and I, I don't want to keep a secret in a relationship. And so like it would bother me, genuinely bother me that I was like keeping a secret pre- and the person would be like, what are you talking about? That's a lovely thing. And I'd be like, yeah, but I've, you don't know the truth, the whole truth. <laughs> um, let's generate that Pokemon. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> this Pokemon is slacking. <laughs> hey, okay. That's actually a cool Pokemon. Yeah. That's a that's a good Pokemon to have as a as a generated It was thing. funny because the whole time I'm like, okay, it would be hilarious if we got like a love disc or any other pretty Pokemon that represents love. And now and then a slacking lounging who's doing that like paint me like one of your French girls pose. Like that's what I see <laughs> right now. That's what comes up on screen, like this ugly slacking that's just like loafing around. <laughs> slacking just loves life. Slacking it knows what slacking's about, you know. Slacking slacking is is one of the most unique Pokemon because it's what the only legend. It's the only normal Pokemon that has the stats of a legendary. I mean, yeah. Archeops technically second to that, where it's like, yeah, Archeops also has like almost legendary stats because of its terrible ability, just like slacking. That's why I've always loved Arche- Archeops too. Not I mean, not because of the ability, but it's, Archeops is really really strong, <laughs> underratedly. But people don't want to use it because of its terrible ability. But it's the ability never activates because he's so strong that his HP won't go down, and then. If you don't know Archeops' ability, when the HP is down, uh, you know, below half, the stats go down too. It's just because he's defeatist. But his stats never go down because his HP doesn't go down because he'll attack fast and hard and he'll never activate the ability. So same thing with slacking, where it's like, I've used a slacking in a playthrough. Um, because I'm like, this is just a fun Pokemon. I love Pokemon with a personality. I love a Pokemon that, I, that have a gimmick that are at least strong. Uh, yeah, you just send out a slacking. It'll wreck house in one turn and that's it you don't really need 
it'll never the ability never activates really because I'll use them last for example to oh, just finish interesting. off interesting okay see now I've never used a slacking because I've been put off by the ability but actually what it's you're fun. saying makes a lot of sense um, I think it's like a, a perfect boss Pokemon the, yeah the, the whole as as Norman who is your dad in Hoenn and it's the it's it's also Norman is a really interesting boss in general for Hoenn because Hoenn is I love Norman it's a, it's a number of little inconnected interconnected circuits right and you get a couple hms and they open up the world but you know that everywhere you go you're surrounded by water throughout the whole journey you've been seeing these bodies of water and the reward for beating norman is that you get to surf you get to put on your big boy shoes and explore the rest of the hoenn region and slacking is norman's ace it's the (laughs) it's such a big boss and it's such a being a normal type gym leader, you think, oh, this is so unassuming. But actually, then you face slacking. And it's got strategy. It's got facade. It's got the, you know. And it's it's like this perfect boss moment in Pokemon where you have come back home to face your dad to see if you're ready for the real Hoenn region. And I just think it's like a perfect, it is a perfect boss battle in Pokemon. You don't even know first. I'll tell you why you don't even know. Why you know okay. nothing, Toby. Um, but you're right. And I've noticed that all the normal type gym leaders are boss gym leaders. They're notable. I've had trouble, at least in one playthrough, with every single normal type gym yep. leader. They either have the workup in Unova, like uh, Charon's Pokemon or uh, or Lenora's Pokemon have a workup that just wrecks house once it, uh, you know, the, you let them set up. You, so, like, I come, I literally just started replaying Black and White 2, and I knew about the strategy that Charon was going to use with workup. And it just—it was hard to not let him set up. I was letting him set up for some reason. I don't know why, how it happened. It just happened, and then he, you know he takes down half of my team because of it. Um, you know, obviously Whitney's Mill Tank is infamous, and then slacking, mm-hmm. and then something about the Game Freak knows how to do normal type trainers, and I don't know what it is. I don't, I'm trying to think—is it their HP and their their HP I stat? Think maybe there's a couple of elements to it. One of them is yeah, huge HP on slacking, Stoutland, um, and. Uh, uh, and Miltank is obviously a big thing. Miltank has a lot of healing options from the milk drinking, from the potions to the lumbar. They have, a lot, they have access silver. to a lot of different kind of coverage too. They've got a lot of coverage. Uh, also, they're only weak to fighting type Pokemon, which is when you're designing your game, like with, with Whitney, I, I've commented on the fact on the channel before that like if you want a fighting type move pre-Whitney, you're basically, you're trading for the Machop that they tuck away upstairs in this Pokemon Center. And there's like, I think, an option for rock smash on a Pokemon or something. But other than that, you're not hitting for super effective damage. You're really not. And um, that's, I think, a big thing because when you go into a gym, when you go into the grass gym, you know to take a fire, bug, flying Pokemon. But when you walk into the normal gym, if you didn't pick up a fighting move, it's it's about the stats. And the stats of these Pokemon are huge. The thing that I wanted to say about uh, slacking, because you said it, so it's the final test before the other half or the real Hoenn region is opened up to you. And I felt that to the max. I've told this story on my channel. I don't know if I've ever told you. Maybe I have, because this is like... I think so. This is a defining moment. I definitely want to bring it up in the podcast, where when I was a kid, second grade, I was seven, I was playing Pokemon Ruby, and it's infamous in Pokemon Ruby where after you defeat Norman, you actually have to go yourself to Wally's father to get Surf. Right. I did not know this. So for months, I was trying to get Surf. My friend who had Surf, who was playing the game too, could not recall how he got it. For months, I'm begging him for 
I was about to give up. I, and if I didn't find surf, my life would have been completely different. I would have stopped playing the game. I would have not fallen in love with the franchise. I would not have made my channel. I, my life would be, it, it would be really interesting to see what my life would be. Wow. But I brought it up like one day on a Friday going to class. I brought it up. I asked my friend one last time, please, do you remember where you got surf in Ruby? One upperclassman heard and heard heard me in the back and said, oh, the surf HM, you get it from Wally's dad next to Norman's gym. And literally the day I came, that day I came back home on a Friday, you know, right before the weekend, I got surf. I crossed this, the water in Route 118 and I heard, I heard the music, the new track, the Route 119 track that for I will remember for the rest of my time it's now the most nostalgic track I've ever heard maybe I'll play it in the background right I can now. hear it in my I can hear it mentally right now and now I was in the real Hoenn and then I entered Route 119 which is now my favorite region of all my favorite uh, route of all time it's a very famous route it's the like the longest yeah. route like it is filled with so much wonder it's this rainforest route that I don't think any other route has was able to emulate because it was the only route to me till this day that feels like a real location it feels like a real rainforest to me for some reason it wasn't it didn't feel like a video game route it didn't feel like a pokemon route and till this day i even during the pandemic i actually remembered this story and i tracked down this third grader that told me this i because i i didn't know his name i just knew how he looked like so i looked at one of my friends who was also like a year older than me i went through his friend group on facebook and I looked for this guy based on what? This was like 20 years later, so he looks completely different. Yeah, yeah. But I just was able to, he looked, I remembered the face. I remembered the glasses because he was wearing glasses, thankfully. That's that's a notable feature. Um, and I tracked, you know, I tracked him down. I, I asked my friend, hey, can you ask, can you make, let, let, make him friend me so I can talk to him and thank him? And then he did. I, I thanked the guy. I was like, because of you, my life is great. I have this channel. That's and, so wild. And he's, he was very, yeah, he was very happy about it. And he, I mean, obviously we didn't become like friends or anything, but like he, no. he was very receptive towards it. And it, it was a magical moment. Like this was during the pandemic where you were encouraged to just reach out to people and talk to them because you couldn't go outside. This was like the first month of the pandemic I did. Wow. This. It felt magical because with my social anxiety, I felt like, oh, I can just talk to random people <laughs> and like I could just reach out to anybody I wanted to and it would be a positive experience that's what any th- any kind of disorder or I don't know any kind of anxiety disorder that, that you have or like phobia it's all about exposure therapy you just have to have some positive experiences like that yeah. and that'll just change your opinion and perspective on things try to seek out positive exposure therapy to help with whatever you have mm. I love that and I agree by the way with that um, I think doing things that make you feel uncomfortable um, if you're doing it in a safe environment where you know, like, okay, the world is not going to end if I do this thing yeah. and you just try it and then find out, okay, that was bad, but I make it to the other side. Um, and you do that over and over and over again. You realize that it's fine. Although to counter that I've had, and I think <laughs> I've talked about it on the podcast before I've had the reverse experience with, more physical fears in that like with have we talked about our fears on the podcast i can't remember we talked about our phobias and fears on the last episode yes we did and in that i mentioned that roller coasters and there's this there's the emirates airline in london where you go on the air rail and every time i do it it gets worse which is the strangest thing because i know i'll survive i know i'll 
be fine, but I don't know why that's the only example. With psychological things, exposure therapy. With physical, I mean, I guess it is psychological, but it is I just very don't want to touch it. But yeah. I, I think I brought it up in the podcast, but like, for example, yes, I have my phobias too. I'm arachnophobic, very scared of spiders. I should try to get some exposure therapy for that, but it's like, I mean, I've gotten better in terms of like catching a small spider with like a napkin or whatever, but I'm still very much afraid of them, maybe even more, because I'm hyping them up in my mind. I'm like, this is a thing that I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. So every time I experience, I see a new spider, I'm even more afraid of it because like, that's my enemy. And I think the thing that, the phobia that I got worsened, because like arachnophobia I think that was stagnant. I'm just arachnophobic. It hasn't gotten worse. I'm just arachnophobic. But for a phobia that gotten has gotten worse is my fear of uncanny vehicles. <laughs> so, for example, I'm afraid of those planes that have completely different proportions. You know, those airplanes with giant, like, foreheads. And, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it's definitely part of my megalophobia, which is my fear of giant objects that just randomly appear. Like, I'm not afraid of skyscrapers because I'm used to that. I'm not afraid of some of the bridges near me because I'm used to that. I am, I am afraid of one, another bridge because there is a bridge that, that's near me that it all of a sudden it appears. You're driving the highway and all of a sudden this huge structure appears and it's also like, it's, it's a very steep, like, drive up to the, to the huh. to, like, it's a hill, like a large hill that I see in my dream sometimes uh, that I go up this bridge that I'm scared of. While other bridges, it's not a surprise. I see them often, so I'm, I'm used to them. But if I, let's say, randomly come across like a lighthouse while I'm walking, like there has been, it happened twice. I'm walking in this affluent neighborhood with like mansions because I like walking there. And all of a sudden there's a lighthouse right in the middle because it's because the affluent neighborhoods, like rich neighborhoods, they're always on a hill. And that's also where you put the lighthouse, I guess, because I, you know, I live in New York City near the ocean. You're going to put a lighthouse. Um, And I am terrified. I, my heart starts racing. It's as if I encountered like a tiger on my walk. And I have, like, my... Uh, no, it was the craziest. It was the first time I had, like, a... So there's panic attacks and anxiety attacks. One of those things are not real. Whatever. I have panic attacks for, like, megalophobia, and it gets worse and worse because, to me, those are things that I... They're my enemy in my mind. I'm so fascinated by the fact that I am megalophobic. I'm so fascinated by that, that the fact that, how am I afraid of a weird-shaped plane that I just hype mm. it up, that I'm like, wow, this is just like this mystical creature that I'm afraid of and that I will always be afraid of. Well, I don't have panic attacks when I see a spider because I'm way more used to seeing a spider than randomly seeing a weird-shaped plane. Um, that makes sense to me. Honestly, I, I do, yeah, I understand that. Um, I think that may be the case with roller coasters with me. I completely understand that. But yeah, as long as, so for example, I was afraid of a specific bridge near me because for megalophobia, megalophobia megalophobia but then literally a few weeks ago i i had a reason to cross this bridge and literally it was i felt so relieved after it it was such a good idea because after that i I was just hyping this bridge up for no reason to me in my mind i'm like this bridge is i'm gonna have a panic attack when i go on this bridge so i always avoided avoided it but no i went on the bridge yes i was my heart was beating a little bit when i was on the bridge but i was just listening to the music i was like just hum to the music that you listen to i think i was humming to jubilee city so i was just like dum 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 while like the whole time on the bridge and then i finally got off of it i'm like that was not as bad as i thought um so as long as you have a coping mechanism and a healthy way uh to to experience this uh, exposure therapy like what I did with my <laughs> where I reached out to the person who changed my life do that um, what's funny is that I've always wanted to do a video about my that experience I have technically I brought it up on the channel but I wanted to do like a story time video for example I've told you that I've always wanted to do story time videos I've never been able to do it because it's just such a big endeavor I cannot and that brings me to this final topic that I think 
would be amazing to start talking about because I've always wanted to bring it up in a podcast, which is video ideas that we've always wanted to oh, yeah. make, but we just can't for some reason. And that's why we're mm. going to be telling them. If I could make these videos, I wouldn't tell you because then I don't want you to steal it. But I'm so of confident course. that this is just a hard video that it'll, it'll take time to just think of how to do these videos. That's why I'm bringing them up. Okay, cool. So, and this would be one of those with the bridges. I should say you could tie it into the bridges of uh, of the Unova. Region, well, yeah. But- anytime I have a story in my real life that I can tie back to Pokemon, I just want to make a some kind mm. of story time animation video about it. I think people would enjoy it. Like, imagine like Jaden Animations, but it's only Pokemon stories. That'd be awesome. I love that. Um, yeah. So that's that's technically not even on my list. That's just because that's a general thing that I just. That's not sure. a specific video, technically. Well, I've definitely got two or three. I got, I got three that I uh, I could talk about for sure. So how about I, I? I have five. I'll go. So it'll be me, you, me, you, me, you, me. Okay, then, let's do that. That's then. how it works. All right. So my first, the first one that I had that I, st- I'm not confident enough to do it, and I'm not good enough of a dancer to do it. <laughs> what is this video? This oh. video is titled "Pokemon Inspired Dance Moves." So, like, <laughs> okay, like, yeah, it, like one of those like evolution of dance types of videos where it's just like four minutes of me just doing the the, the Ampharos, and then I just do the Ampharos, then do the Rayquaza, and I do the Rayquaza. It'll be so cringy because I'm not a dancer or anything, but I got the confidence to dance on camera when I did it in one video. I did it in my top twenty uh, uh, Sun and Moon music video, and yeah. I danced to the apparel. Uh, apparel shop theme and people it was a hundred percent positive reception so i'm like what if i made pokemon inspired dances i'm not a terrible dancer it's just that i'm not a dancer i'll find a way if i can on my own just come up with dances and i think i can you maybe i'll do it you can't do it as a video but this is actually perfect you could do it as a podcast because no one can see you (laughs) so why don't you show me what the magic art would look like and i'll describe to me (laughs) (laughs) okay here i'm doing it that's the Magikarp. Yeah. Oh, no, I see it. There's a lot of splashing motion going on, which makes sense. I would have instinctually oh, gone oh. for the the hand fin over the head with the big wide mouth. The cup, cup. We had a great time. For those of you who are obviously listening by audio, we just had a great time. You all missed out. <laughs> yeah, this would actually work as a TikTok, honestly. Or like a sh- YouTube short. It actually would. Perhaps. It really would. So that's my first idea. I love Is that. Is it stupid? I love that. We'll find out. I want to see you do them Z moves. I want to see you oh, just yeah. like a, a corkscrew crash, you know? <laughs> Why hasn't someone done like a TikTok of all the Z moves? Like a professional dancer or Pokemon fan? That would be pretty I think I think just because the Z moves were like slightly pre-TikTok. That's and so hilarious. it's not like that, those worlds haven't collided yet. But if you are out there and you're a TikToker, a Pokemon TikToker, maybe, and a dancer, maybe now's your, your time to shine. Uh, okay, well, look, I mean, my... My first one is, I'll, I'm actually going to go back to the, the oldest idea, because the moment you said this, there's something that immediately springs to mind, and it was something you were going to be part of. I, you oh, might nice. not remember this. So I did a series, um, <clears throat> I put together a promo poster when I started, this was in my first year of the channel. Oh, Twice I know D. what you're talking about. You know I'm going to go with this. To Be A Master, yeah. a series in which I would collect interviews with a number of Pokemon personalities, and I mean, at the time, it was literally everyone i somehow managed to 
slide into the DMs of everyone who was in the Pokemon scene and said, hey, I'm going to work on this documentary series. Is this something you'd like to, to be part of? And you said kindly. You said yes. Uh, it's probably how we met. I don't know, I remember, but like it's how I met a lot of the YouTubers at that time. Um, I, I'm grateful that I didn't go through with it because there are a number of personalities on there that shall not be named who I would not want to work with <laughs> uh, now uh, at all. Uh, there's plenty and, you know, audiences can guess whatever they like. Uh, but um, it was going to be... Uh, Inspired by the YouTube series Becoming YouTube, which came out in 2012, I think, which uh, featured uh, a YouTuber called Benjamin Cook go around London and interview a number of UK London-based vloggers at that time. It's always a British guy with yeah, those kind I, of videos. I wanted to do that, and I was going to like, oh, you know, I, I, I can either do it all over Skype or I'll come do like real-life interviews. <laughs> um, logistically, a project like that would be huge. Um, I thought about reviving the idea. Please do, honestly. Um, I would love to be a part of something like that. I mean, it would be super cool. I, I thought about reviving the idea in 2019 with uh, Welcome to Galar was the uh, the heading title. Um, oh, yeah. In the, it was going to be, I was going to go around the UK and like speak to a number of people. I think there was plans for Loxton to even come over. So it actually, it would have been 2020. It would have been after Sword and Shield. Uh, the pandemic kind of killed that. And Loxton um, was going to do something similar too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was going to come over. He was going to tour. I was going to tie it all together with that. But that it sucks. didn't just... Just logistically, that's a big undertaking. Yeah. And, um, you know, getting the quality of it consistent across all the interviews and across skits and across everything else, it would it would be kind of huge. Uh, but maybe one day, maybe that's, that is the next... Now, See, now I'm talking about it. I'm like, well, maybe I, yeah, maybe I could do that now the world's opening up a bit more. I think during the time you were probably... Your endeavor was huge because you were trying to do the entire gallery. But now gallery is less relevant. So you can just go to like five places and be like, this is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing. Like it could be a way smaller scale because you're not obligated to not do this whole gallery themed thing. Yeah. Um, no, nah. this is actually related to what I, one of my videos actually. Oh, cool. Go for it. And what sucks that this is the one thing here that I don't really want to talk about because it's still a legitimate thing that I really would love to do if I had the money or if I had the power, um, if it was greenlit by an actual like production company, that would be sure. amazing, which is a real world Pokemon um, like history channel show. So on the history channel, you have like a lot of things where you go to a place and you talk about the thing and, and then you say what historical thing happened in this place or whatever. I've always wanted to do this with both Pokemon and any franchise. Like, I wanted to go around and be like, today we're in this place. This is the site where... that. This is the castle that inspired the castle in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Oh, cool. We're here in the in this place. This is the... This is the... Look at this animal. This is the animal that inspired this creature in Pokemon. Or, again, if this was, let's say, Lord... I could be like, oh, look at where we are. This is the... This is the people that inspired the dwarfs in, in Lord of the Rings. Jews, Jews inspired dwarves in Lord of the Rings. By the way, oh. <laughs> well, we can talk about that oh. in the future. It's actually a very good story, but um, but like like for example, oh, look at this language. Look at this famous book that inspired the language in Lord of the, this language in Lord of the Rings or whatever. Look at this. Uh, look at this movie by Akira Kurosawa, this Japanese uh, director. Look at this character that inspired Darth Darth Vader. <laughs> like like, you have already shows like this where it's like we're here, we're going to try this food. Or we're here, this is the site of the Great Pyramid or whatever. Do that with, you know, fictional franchises. And specifically on my channel, Pokemon. I would love to do that. Like, high yeah, production stuff. Yeah, 
how would you make it high production going to the locations i suppose going to the location it'll also be shot like it's an actual tv series which is not hard nowadays uh Mm. you need a specific camera i know how to edit like a tv show um the graphics also of a tv show like the kind of reenactments and like have you ever watched like a history channel show where they show like reenactments or stuff like that um yeah a lot of like uh, slideshows of like th- two and a half D images. Like in History Channel, they would like cut up like old fo- photographs on Photoshop and separate the foreground and the background on, in, yeah. into different layers. And then like they'll zoom into it as if it was like a 3D image, but it's made of the 2D f- photograph that they have. Stuff like that. It's just high production stuff that I know how to do. But about, but like it'll feel like an actual TV show. It's like 30 minute different segments like five different locations and or things that i'm showcasing in that episode oh it would be so much fun i love that you gotta come over to the uk and do some gala bits then uh and that's the thing i could literally do it right now with univa but nobody would care i'd be like i've literally that's my dream to go to let's say uh dumbo a location in brooklyn and be like these are the tracks you see these tracks on the floor those are the same tracks that inspired the tracks in in uh in uh not striaton in nacreen city the second gym in 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 uh, Unova, where Lenora is, there are tracks on the ground. Those are based on the tracks that you can see in Dumbo. Um, I, I don't think you should write this project off as never going to happen. It's not off. Yeah, it's just that it's literally the, would be the biggest thing I ever did. Big undertaking, and also nobody cares about that kind of stuff. <sighs> I've I done it that. already. I've done it already. I I did like a Pokemon in real life where like I went around my house and it was like, look at this chicken. That's what Torchic's based off. Look at this dumbbell. That's what uh, Beldum is based off. Look at this. <laughs> look at this. Uh, more intricate stuff like that. Like look uh-huh. at this cool. Look at this. I mean, I did look at this spoon. That's what an Alkazam has, and I had like a three D Alkazam behind me. I would put like I would superimpose the th- models, animated models of the Pokemon that I would animate behind me as I talk about them sometimes. And it was cool, but nobody cares about that. It's a niche audience, for sure. I But there might be an audience for it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, you've kind of made me think about my next one, actually. Uh, although, see, I've actually just remembered another project that... So I'm trying to work out which one of the two is more likely to to, to resurface and not talk about that one. But um, Exactly. You know what? Okay, here's the one. This is actually... This is the one I think is more likely to resurface, but I do want to talk about it because it's way more interesting. Um, but I still don't know if it ever will, which is I really wanted to do a documentary, but like from documentarians in the Pokemon world. So like, uh, I'm Todd Snap with today is, you know, with the thing. And what it would be is specifically, I wanted to talk about like a a post Kanto region Team Rocket has just been thwarted. By a mysterious trainer with a Pikachu. Mm. No one knows who where he, who he is, where he came from, or where he went. Let's talk to the gym leaders. Dude. To XT Rocket Grunt. You know, to like to all these characters. Uh, you what, totally what do they see, you know? This is a and Pokemon I, epic. This is a Birdkeeper Toby Pokemon epic. You well, could I, I, and it might still be. It might still be. I think it'd be really cool to like, you know, employees at the, from the Self Co building that day. What did yeah. they see? What did they learn? What happened that day? Before they knew it, team, you know, people in uniforms with big red R's are coming in, storming the building, telling them to get under the table. The next thing I knew, I heard Pikachu, and suddenly uh, a kid, I think he had a red cap on, busted in the door and told us it was all okay before heading up through one of the warp panels. Yeah. No one knows who this mysterious figure is. The fact that they beat the league was amazing. Like I want to <laughs> do that documentary. It's like a t- it's like a twenty minute. 
it's super high quality mini movie, but like I people have done a lot of stuff work. similar to that but it's always a person who isn't a huge pokemon fan so there's a lot of cringy things where it's like uh like that's a very gen one thing to say or that's like a very gen one or perspective yeah, yeah, on yeah. whatever happened um yeah you could that's uh, that's the thing that to me if you told me you were doing that i'd be like yeah you're about to do that you're that's a thing that you would have <laughs> already done um i miss some i missed the birdkeeper toby epics um i'm working on one next cool. week great very um, excited about my dream is to be on one of them in the future. That'd be cool. Oh, we will. We'll do. I mean, if I'm coming out to New York at any point, we'll do a Unovan. I'll help thing. you shoot that. I'll like, be yeah, behind the camera. That'd be super cool. Um, my next thing is really similar. And it's, I think that I think every PokeTuber who at least has high production videos or like likes to really make quote unquote quality content uh, has thought about, which is a parody of Planet Earth. But with Pokemon, yes, and yeah, everybody's yeah. wanted to do that. Everybody's wanted to like get an animator to animate all the Pokemon into the environment and make like a mini documentary and get someone who sounds like uh, David Attenborough. And it's just too. It's literally that would be too. That's like you need something very high quality. And technically, Pokemon has already done stuff like that, so it will just look like an not an imitation. It will just look worse than what we've seen. Like there mm. have been Pokemon Go commercials that have parodied that we've have po- detective pikachu so it's like you'll never the cg pokemon will never look as good as detective pikachu if you make this fake documentary about pokemon so but that is the dream yeah that is the dream if i could get like a bunch of poketubers to help me out and we just who cares which channel it's on but we just get a huge team to do it i would Super and i could cool. animate the pokemon i don't know how to i mean i know how to model but i'm not an, i'm not a modeler i'm an animator and that's the problem that i would need someone to actually model the pokemon or at least take the models from the game and give them high quality textures Maybe the textures from Scarlet and Violet, Violet will be finally good enough, and we could just use yeah. those those models. I, I've definitely that was always the challenge when doing Pokemon Epics was to like the earliest videos of mine. You see, I found the 3D model online yeah. and then downloaded it, and it's in the T pose, like spinning, rotating on an axis. Yeah, um, and that's always been the cha- was always the challenge initially. Detective Pikachu kind of blew out of it the really water. Did like that genre so now i focus more on like environmental effects so i did this one about regigigas and at the very end there's uh the final shot is a max rage den the light beaming into the sky Mm. and making that look and feel really cool that's what i focused on i thought if i try and you know and if i can get the walls of this cave to look like there's paintings on that has as much of an effect probably better than if i actually try to animate a regigigas walking over the horizon because i'm just not going to do it as good as detective pikachu does it you know you could easily do just the shadow of a regigigas for example yeah looming over you you could have done that i think in the next time you do an epic you can definitely consult me with some things that I oh yeah like cheap ways to add well we'll oh I'll tell you after this podcast because I got I got we'll something coming up um okay well then this final one is kind of it was actually a big series of Pokemon epics that um is never it's never gonna happen now I can confirm it with certainty but um back after Sword and Shield came out before new Pokemon Snap was announced I wanted to do a Todd Snap six episode Pokemon epic in which we would follow new vlogger Todd oh, yeah. Snap as he lived in his new place in uh, Winden, 
and um, the constant threat of Dynamax Pokemon. And it was inspired by a video that I did about the most deadly Dynamax Pokemon. I thought, well, if Regice is freezing cold, if there was a giant Regice moving through a city, how would that be an, apo- how would that be an apocalypse? And if it was a Macargo, <laughs> how would that be an apocalypse? And, and the goal was to have the, like, do a number of scenes in London with Poketubers, with like a new Poketuber every episode. Um, and I had everyone kind of scheduled in and booked out and it was all ready to go. And I'd have a different Pokemon would be the feature of the episode. What happens in a icy apocalypse? What happens in a rampaging dinosaur apocalypse? If it's wheezing and it's toxic gas, what happens in a pollution apocalypse? And each episode was focusing on a different kind of kaiju destroying the world. Um, and I, I scripted the whole thing. I put months into it. Um, and the day that I was set to film, the, the very first bit of filming, a little skit for it, it rained really, really badly. And I arranged for viewers to come and meet up and uh, be in it. And so the viewers and I said, look, let's just go hang out in this local kind of um, bar and we'll all just chat and talk Pokemon cards for a bit. <laughs> and so the filming the filming didn't commence. And it was October and nights were get coming sooner and the sun wasn't out for long enough and it was a lot of it was out to be shot outdoor and I thought maybe maybe I should start shooting in March, April and then new <laughs> Pokemon Snap got announced and then by the time March, April rolled around the the I, I realized that I was putting off the projects and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and I thought I'm never going to do this this isn't I, I don't the 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 mood the atmosphere the want to make this to have this creative outburst it's gone it was six months ago yeah and uh, I did make a video um after they announced new Pokemon Snap I thought or actually you know it was right before the announcement I made like a yeah, little I sort saw- of like mini sode uh, about Colossal um and it was you know it was fine it was very high quality it didn't do very well yeah I mean, that um, was like one of the few Birdkeeper Tobies that I consciously will always remember bombing because I was yeah. like this clearly like was an inspired video and it sucked that it bombed um, yeah, yeah. I, I, and, and what i realized is that actually the fact that the fact that i was stopping and starting and stalling over this project was stopping me going on with other projects and um so i had to say i i'm bidding it i might reuse some ideas from it at some point but i am effectively scrapping this project completely so that i can free up my brain to to work on other stuff um so yeah that one yeah. unfortunately is never going to come around again um but uh who knows we might yet see giant apocalyptic pokemon walking through london in the future um <laughs> i was actually for that one i was very specifically as well i wasn't going to do 3d modeled pokemon i was actually going to get the ken sugimori art and superimpose that into real environments because i thought you know what why try and do the big 3d model thing let's have fun with it but um we and we had some tests of it done, but it's it just never quite came to fruition. But it was what it was—a long lost project of mine. Um, so yeah, tell me, tell me about yours, man. Your last one. For some reason, I I don't know we didn't do it in a correct order, so like I have two left, but they're oh they're okay. the shortest ones, so it's fine. Okay. Um, one time, I I listen to a lot of Pokemon music. I have a lot of covers and remixes on my phone. Literally, literally like three thousand. Nah, not the 2,000. <laughs> um, still a lot. Still a lot. <laughs> um, 
And one of them is, I have a lot of like medleys, for example. I love Pokemon medleys. So like a lot of different covers of multiple themes at once. I have one that's an orchestration. I mean, I have technically multiple. Multiple people have done orchestrations of like Sinnoh medleys. So like it'll start with like Rowan's uh, introduction and then it'll go to Route 209 and then it'll go to, you know, Jubilee or whatever. And I was listening to that one day while walking and I'd be like, what if I like cut like footage of Sinnoh, like footage over this medley? And made like a Sinnoh region tribute. And I've always wanted ever since to make like Pokemon region tributes where I get someone to like make an orchestrated medley, like a three minute medley of like this, like almost like a trailer for a region. And then I get really epic footage of the most epic footage I can get of any, every, every region and put it to individual region tributes. That would be epic. But what would be the point? Why would people care? <laughs> like, like what? I think you're onto something with that. I don't think that's a throwaway idea. And I'm going to tell you for why. I watched a... There, there is a video um, called Game of Thrones Honor. And it's a supercut of every time in season one that the words honor is yeah. uh, mentioned to a track that uh, is very inspiring. And it's like this tribute to the theme within the show. And I remember that video years on, and I'll like go back and I'll watch that video because I think it's really cool. Yeah. And I don't know. I think like a little three minute suit, like tribute to the region would be really The nice. question is, what do we start with? Like, I'm not going to now, I hate how I always, if I want a series that will go through multiple regions, I always have to start with Kanto, which is like the most boring out of everything. And it's like, and if that flops, then I only just made a Kanto tribute and it was for nothing because that's, nah, not that's not the region I want to do. You want. So then if I start, one I want is like Unova. But why would I randomly release a Unova tribute? Unova's not relevant right now. So it's like, Sinnoh was relevant. It would have made sense, but now it's already passed. I don't know. I'll think about it. Maybe you guys have, you know, any ideas in the comment section. I just realized that you guys could have input on this. But my last idea is not even Pokemon related. It's going to be the one video that isn't Pokemon related on my channel that I could do and that I would want to do eventually, that I still could do. And that's an essay video about my social anxiety, which is basically like a draw your life, but only specifically mm -hmm. about my uh, social anxiety. And I want to do it, and I probably will do it once I feel like I have entered the next step of my life where social anxiety isn't... Uh, where I might just, I've gotten a huge hang on my social anxiety disorder maybe i'm also in like a committed like a long-term relationship that's also i think that's when i will do this where i can finally like introduce like a, a like a long-term girlfriend that would be pretty cool i yeah i mean i think that's an idea that will happen i think that's something that that will definitely happen one day yeah so that will that's the only we're ending off with one that i will 100 percent do but probably the one that i'll do last out of all the ideas here <laughs> Hopefully not last. Hopefully it's tomorrow. But uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> hopefully very soon. But you know, uh, you know what I mean. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, hey, I love that. I love that. Um, you know what? I, I, I've i cheated. I did think of another one that got kind of cancelled. But I don't know if that messes everything yeah, up. Yeah, that kind of A messes everything up, Toby. Shut up. Well, Stop talking. Yeah, ah, then, that, then there will be no more ideas from me. I was thinking I should do like a one week in New York where I... Uh, try to find a Ron. store selling... <laughs> I don't give you my address, you have to find me. <laughs> I have one week to find Ron. I have one week to race a number of other YouTubers to find a retro pack of Pokemon cards being sold at retail price. That was it. That, so price, like, you yeah, can definitely so find not, it, but not at retail. I don't know, I have yeah, never searched. You, not, 
Like, you know, there was that whole thing with Leon Hart with the under the shelf. There was like the packet of cards uh, from like 2000. They yeah. found a base set two pack. I just thought it'd be really cool to like race a bunch of PokeTubers and see who uh, okay. can find like a. That's but hilarious. then, yeah. That's related but to what I, I want to do that I didn't put here because I don't know why Wait, I didn't. You've got another idea too? I technically, a relate one that's related to that. We can combine our ideas when you're here. In okay, New York. let's do it. A scavenger hunt, a Pokemon-related scavenger hunt in New York, but I would need to ah. be with other people, and we are, and here's the problem is how am I going to participate if I make it? But that that's where you come in if like you participate in it, and I maybe two like maybe you and another Poketuber, um, I'm the one who makes it, and then we do this video, we film this scavenger hunt around Manhattan, let's say that is Pokemon-related, that'd be really fun. That sounds amazing. I'd love that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, those are ideas. Don't steal them. If you do, I will sue. This is, this is, I, this, I mean, is this legally, if when you say it out loud in public, is that legally binding? I, I think know. so. I think so. I think that just made it legal to, cool. to It's not yeah, copyrighted, but it's, at least, I could sue you. <laughs> and we will, for, even if the project doesn't do well, and you're better at it than us, we'll, yeah. we'll take your money. Bye. Bye.